Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, this will be our last message in the Extraordinary series. Uh, We're going to look at a passage from Deuteronomy 30 today. Uh, Let me set the context for this passage. Uh, Moses is now an old man and it's time for him to die and to go be with the God that he's followed for so long. Uh, He's not going to be around to lead his people anymore. Uh, They're going to have to figure it out on their own. Um, So he wondered, like, how can I let the people know the urgency of what's at stake here? And so he told them, we've been on this journey for 40 years. Now I'm leaving, but you're going to have to go on. We've come to this place where uh, we're at the end of the road. And you're going to have to decide which of two ways you're going to have to go. Um, This is a story about a choice that stands before every human being. It's a choice between life or death. And it gets made a hundred times every day. Uh, Some people choose death. And I have to tell you from the beginning that this is something that I need to be reminded of often. uh, Because I can easily choose the way of death. Uh, A lot of us, and I don't know really how else to say this any nicer, but we just do stupid things sometimes um, that lead down this road to death, either relationally, emotionally, financially, vocationally, or spiritually. Uh, And Moses knew that this was the case far too often for the people of Israel. And so these are his final words to them in Deuteronomy 30, starting at verse 11. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Uh, It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to to us so we may obey it, nor is it beyond the seas so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction. For I commanded you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right, so these were the words of Moses to his people before he had to leave them. And I believe these are God's words to us today. What I want to do with this message is set two ways before you. There is a way that leads to life 
and joy and freedom and purity. And there is a way that leads to death and guilt and disappointment and bitter regret. And I know about both of these ways. And this matters more than you can imagine. What we're talking about today is not a casual thing. And so Moses gives them their proper names. One road is called life. There is a way that leads to life. What is it? Moses explains it in verse 16. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. So he gives three indications for this road. The first one is love the Lord your God. Uh, When Jesus had to summarize all of the commandments, um, he said they're, they're all summed up in love. Love God and love people. It's not a mechanical or a rigid thing. Uh, Obeying God's commands is primarily about love. And then he said, walk in obedience to him. Walking in the Old Testament was often a metaphor for a life of wise conduct. If you have a heart that loves God and and you conduct yourself in a wise way, then you are walking in his ways. Uh, Moses said the third indication is keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Uh, Commands, decrees, and laws are all overlapping terms. Uh, God did this to help make love concrete and real so that we don't get vague or fuzzy or sentimental about it. So love God, walk in obedience to him, and keep his commandments. Then Moses said the consequences of going down this road is that you will thrive. You will multiply and have God's blessings on you. And we need to understand this isn't something we earn. Uh, It's not a performance deal. Uh, We need to be living life as God designed uh, life to be lived. Again, this way or path toward life is very clear. Moses said it's not far away or across the sea. We don't have to go to heaven to get it. The word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and on your heart. It's not too difficult for you to understand. It's not an obscure thing. Love God, walk in obedience, keep his commands. It's really simple. And then he said there's another way called death. And he gave three indicators for this road. He said in verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. The first one is if your heart turns away. Uh, this is a, a loss of devotion. Your heart is no longer warm and tender uh, toward God. You have a wayward heart. And then he said, if you're not obedient, If your life is filled with noise and you're no longer listening for his still small voice, you're you're not attentive toward God and you don't seek to learn his will and do it. Then he said, if you're drawn away. Uh, Moses knew these people didn't intend to march off to other gods. And I don't think you or I plan on offering ourselves on the altar of the God of success or security or comfort or wealth or self. Uh, We don't even recognize sometimes when we're going down this road. We are drawn away and we allow ourselves to kind of drift or to be molded and conformed to this world. Moses said, there is a consequence to this road. And the the consequence is disaster. It's a loss of community. It's a loss of life. It's a loss of every blessing that God longs to pour out. And then Moses said, "Uh, you have to choose. 
And I want to say with as much conviction and passion and admonishment as I can, choose life. Choose life. It's so urgently important that we make the right choice. If you were actually driving and you came to a fork in the road and you had to go one way or the other, if one way said life and the other way said death, I mean, even for the directionally challenged, that's not a difficult decision. Choose life. Choose life. Now, in the time that we have left today, I want to talk about the danger of being on the road that leads to death. And I want to do this by talking about three different points on the road that leads to death and how behaviors will be increasingly difficult to stop the further you go down the road. And I'm going to go from easy to stop to very difficult to stop. The first point may involve a bad choice that you haven't really spent much time thinking about. For instance, you spend too much time watching television and not enough time with your children, and you realize they're suffering from this. Uh, You're not giving them the kind of parenting that you need to. But you can change that. You just need someone to point it out to you, and you can easily turn around. You may be spending money uh, in a way that's just foolish or self-centered, that's not in line with uh, your value of generosity. You know, you're clutching to what you have like it's all yours. You're not giving generously to God's work in the world. Your life is all about getting more and more. Uh, Maybe you've been choosing death financially. Uh, Maybe you've been drifting into less and less generosity. You know, if you're honest about it, you have to acknowledge, you know, this is where you are. If you get more money, the thoughts are not like, how can I get, how can I use this uh, for God's kingdom? Or how can I use this to help the poor? You're just simply thinking about how how you can acquire more. Before you go to sleep tonight, maybe you need to go on your bank account and make amends, uh, give a gift, and set financially dishonest patterns right. Say to God, I'm through choosing death, and I'm choosing life with my finances. All right, this is the first point you get to on this road to death. And at this point, you're able to make a change. I mean, you just need someone to point out this pattern that's beginning in your life. And once you're aware that you need this change, You can alter your course. You can turn around. You can start going the other direction. God may be pointing out something right now in your life. Some of you are aware of a pattern in your life that you need to say no more to. Uh, Well, you can change. You just need to make a strong resolve right now. Uh, I don't know how else to say this. If you have something going on in your life that needs to stop and you're just starting to head down the road that leads to death, stop it now change now. You'll be spared so much pain if you don't go further down that road. That's just how this works. These things will cause you more and more pain the farther down the road you go with them. If there's something in your life that you know you need to stop and you're able to stop it simply by resolving to do something, then by all means, do it now. Stop it. But maybe you have a problem that runs deeper and you try to change, but you don't seem to be able to do it. This is the second point on the road to death, an ingrained pattern of behavior that you've become attached to. It's ingrained now. It's part of the rhythm of your life. It's deep enough in you that saying no more to this would feel costly or even painful. And so there's a part of you that wants to say no more, but there's another part of you that doesn't want to stop. This may involve a big change. Uh, Maybe you're in a relationship where you're sexually active with someone to whom you're not married and you know it doesn't honor God. 
Maybe you try to escape from your spouse by fantasizing about someone else in inappropriate ways. Uh, maybe you're keenly aware that we live in a society that idolizes sexual attractiveness in which beauty is power. And so you find yourself uh, too attached to the need to appear sexually desirable or you're jealous of someone who is more attractive or you find yourself flirting inappropriately to kind of prove your attractiveness. Maybe you're respected at home and at work and even at church, but you have another life. Uh, you're deeply involved in pornography and you know it violates the teaching of scripture. You know it's not in line with your basic values. You know it's not the person that you wanna be. When you get to the end of your life, you don't wanna be characterized by this kind of stuff. But there's a significant part of you that doesn't wanna stop. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because of loneliness. And so you're divided. Maybe there's a pattern of anger in your life. Uh, you have little kids and your patient gives out and you find yourself sometimes just trembling with rage. Not long ago, you found yourself screaming almost out of control and it frightened you to think what you're capable of. You told yourself you'll calm down, that you'll be patient, but just telling yourself isn't working. Maybe you've been gossiping and just cutting people down behind their back and you're choosing death for yourself and death for your relationships. Maybe you have stress in your life and you find that it just kind of magically disappears if you have enough to drink and you hope no one notices and you hope someday that need will go away, but it's not going away. Maybe you found that if you're willing to cut some corners at work and cheat on some deals and pat an expense account, you can bring in more money. And you've been doing this for quite a while now and now it's become a habit and you're dependent on it. And you try not to think about it. You try not to call it stealing. You try not to reflect on what might happen if you get caught, but every once in a while you think about it. Maybe you're a couple that's highly thought of in your neighborhood or by your relatives or in your small group, but the truth is you've given up on your marriage a long time ago. And there's a wall between you and your spouse and you're filled with bitterness and you rarely speak. You know, at this second point, the simple decision to say no more is not enough. You don't just need someone to point it out to you. You're aware of your problem. You also need some support. You need a certain level of support to enable you to carry out the decision to stop. You may need to talk to another person. You may need to ask that person to pray for you. You need to ask them to check in with you uh, on a regular basis to kind of see how you're doing. Or maybe you need to get some information and you need to pray and you need to actually make a plan. For instance, you need to consider what are the ways I can express anger? And you may need to get educated on this. Or how can I fill up this void in my life if I give up this physical intimacy when I'm kind of dependent on it? Or how can I make things right at work and become a person of integrity? You may need some structure as well as awareness. You need another person, you need some education. Um, it won't be easy, but with appropriate support and structure, you can say no more. And today's the day for you to make that decision. Maybe that's the point you're at. And if it is, I hope you stop whatever needs to be stopped in your life today, because it will only get worse if you don't. And that brings me to the third point on this path that Moses calls death and destruction. At this point, there is in your life a pattern that has you in its grip. 
Uh, it could be a habit, it could be an attraction or an addiction, and it seems to have kind of a, a life of its own. And this pattern, this addiction may involve behavior that violates your deepest values, uh, actions that are repulsive to you. And you've promised yourself that you're gonna quit a hundred times, but you fail every time, over and over and over again. You hate yourself for the weakness and for your lack of control. Moses says, be careful if you're at this point, if you're drawn away. He says, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. Some of you know exactly what Moses was talking about because you're convinced that if other people knew about the secret in your life, that your life would be ruined. So keeping this a secret becomes one of your top priorities. Now, if this is where you are, just bringing it into the light, just awareness is not enough. Just some support and structure is not enough. You're gonna have to fundamentally reorder your life. You're gonna have to say, stopping this destructive pattern or habit or addiction in my life, quitting and cleaning my life up is gonna have to become the top priority that I arrange my life around. And the most important thing you can do at this point is to acknowledge the truth. I must come to the place where I acknowledge the truth. I must say to myself and to God, I have a struggle with sin and I can't control it on my own. God, I need your help. All right, I wanna share with you an illustration that will hopefully resonate with you beyond today. Uh, this is written by a guy named Gary Richman who had to work with a giant 13 foot long King Cobra. This is what he writes. Our zoo had a 13-foot giant king cobra that seemed to be the embodiment of evil. He had a scar over his left eye that made him look mean and more significantly, kept him from shedding his skin in a normal fashion. At least twice a year, we would get the dreaded phone call from the reptile house. The cobra shed his skin last week, but the eye cap didn't come off. It looks infected. Do you suppose you and the doc could come down and clean it up? Arrangements for this were critical because of the extreme danger. Only two people at the zoo could take responsibility for grabbing the more deadly snakes, and this was the most deadly. The snake's venom glands contained enough poison to kill 1,000 adults when properly administered, a fact that seemed to come up every time we did this procedure. The curator of the reptiles was assigned to grab the head, and the two reptile keepers were to steady the body. When the snake was subdued, the veterinarian would begin the delicate surgery. His arena kept him inches from a lethal injection, and my job was to furnish scalpel, sponge, hemostat, and anything else to expedite the procedure. The capture of the cobra was as follows. The five of us took our positions, two keepers on either side of the cage door, the curator in front of the door, six feet away, the vet and I on either side of the curator, 10, 10 feet from the door. The keeper's only defense were sheer bird nets with two foot handles. The door was opened. Seconds later, the king cobra appeared. As soon as it saw us, it stopped, spread its cape, and raised to full stature. So we are all looking at the snake at eye level. The cobra was trembling with excitement as it in turn stared at each of its five enemies. It seemed to be choosing who would be its prey. The curator was chosen and with shocking quickness, it lunged forward, hissing and growling with malicious rage. The skilled keepers placed their sheer nuts over the snake's head. 
and as it pushed to get through, the curator firmly grasped its neck just behind the venom sacs. The keepers grabbed the squirming body. Then the curator nodded and said, let's get this over with. The pressure was incredible. The vet's hands were trembling and beads of sweat began to run down the curator's forehead. The curator turned to me and said, do you have any cuts or scratches on your hands? I looked and said, no. Get paper towels quick, he followed in a strained voice. I did so. Now put them in the cobra's mouth. The king cobra watched the paper towels as they were carefully positioned to allow him to bite them. He bit down violently and began to chew. The towels became yellow with venom. The curator continued, did you know several elephants die every year from king cobra bites? A man could never survive a bite with a full load of venom. That's why I'm having you drain the venom sacks. My hands are sweaty and my fingers are cramping. When I let go, I might not be quick enough. And here's the point. He says more people are bitten trying to let go of snakes than when they try to grab them. More people are bitten trying to let go than trying to grab. You get weak quickly when you grab a big poisonous snake. And then Gary writes, there are many situations in life that are parallel, easy to grab, hard to let go. So it pays to think twice before you grab. Think about how true this is in life. Uh, indebtedness, vengeance, lying, adultery, drugs, alcohol, pornography, promiscuity. I mean, these and many more are serpents and they will drain your strength and they will bite you to death while you're trying to let go of them. And so I'm wondering if you'll have the courage today to name the snake in your life, to name it, because we all have them. Everyone does. It may have to do with bitterness or power or the need for approval or sexuality or deceit, but there is a power and it's at work in this world and it's at work in your life and mine and it's called sin. And it's baffling and mysterious and cunning and more powerful than you or me by far. It's terminal and it will destroy your soul if you let it. And so I'm wondering if you're willing to say today, I've had enough pain, I've had enough hurt and I've had enough guilt and I've had enough shame. I want to resolve whatever it takes, no more. This has got to stop. This is not who I want to be. This is not the legacy I want to leave. And it all starts with this business of acknowledging reality. You have to say to yourself and to God, I can't do this by myself. I, I've got a hold of this snake that is stronger than me and I can't seem to let it go. Now, whether or not you will do this depends largely on how you're dealing with an enemy that is at work right now. And the enemy is called denial. You see, we're masters at justifying not dealing with this thing called sin. And so we minimize the problem. You know, my snake's not that bad. Other people are worse off than me. If I had that guy's problem, then I would get help. I can't believe he doesn't get help. You know, he's in really bad shape. If I was ever like him, then I would get help. But I'm not so bad. You know, he's way down the road that leads to death. I'm barely down the road. Or we try delaying tactics. You know, you're right. You know, I probably do need to let go of the snake eventually, but not right now. Now is not a good time, but I'll get around to it at some point. The evil one is whispering in your ear right now. Not yet, not right now. 
Some of you hear that voice right now and you know this message makes sense. There's some stuff in your life that probably ought to get cleaned up, but you're thinking not now. There's too much going on. And you know, you could not now yourself all the way to the grave. Or we rationalize. You know, I have so many difficulties in my life. Uh, I kind of deserve having this little snake in it. God doesn't expect me to be perfect. He has to forgive me. You know, that's kind of his job. Uh, I have to provide something for him to forgive. That's kind of my job. And so uh, we kind of rationalize. You need to stop playing games. Uh, you've got to acknowledge the truth. And no one could do that for you. Moses said, your choices are a matter of life and death. Do you know what your choice is? All right, let me, let me pray for you. God, I just pray for those people who are listening right now who are headed down the wrong road that leads to death. I pray that you would give them uh, the knowledge, uh, your Holy Spirit would convict them, uh, that you would allow them and, and, and encourage them to turn around and to say no more and to start heading in your direction that leads to life. And would you do in us what we can't do for ourselves? God, would you finish the work that you've begun in us? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.